When it comes to our jobs, our occupation, the Bible has an awful lot to say about what we do, how we do it, and how we act on the job scene. We'll take a look at Proverbs and you and your job next. You know, for most, what we look like Monday through Friday at work does not resemble what we look like Sundays at church. Problem is, we're to look like at work what we look like at church. Welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We're continuing our series called Wisdom for Living, a look at the Proverbs, and today we're focusing our attention on you and your workplace. There are six types of workers that we see here in Proverbs. We'll take a look at each of them in the next couple of broadcasts. So make it a point to join us here in Proverbs 24 as we take a look at the slothful worker here on Graceful Truth. We've been through a couple studies in the book of Proverbs. The first week we looked at what Proverbs is all about and we, we understood what it meant as far as wisdom and how we need wisdom today. Ephesians say that we live in a wicked world and and we need to walk circumspectly. We have to be careful and understand what the will of the Lord is. And we know that the source of that wisdom is through uh, God's word. And then we looked uh, the second week at uh, you and your tongue and how important it is to understand um, that Proverbs has a lot to say about what we say and how we say it and when we say it. And I can't tell you how practical that was for me to go through that study and prepare that message. Very convicting, and it's still convicting. And today we're going to be talking about you and your job. You and your job. I bet you if I went around, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I bet you if I said, if there's anybody here that's never, ever, ever worked in their life, please raise your hand. I don't think there would probably be a person here that hasn't, at some point in life, had some kind of a job. And uh, we're going to look today at what Proverbs has to say about you and your job. And, you know, it's kind of difficult to put a uh, finger on the pulse of America's attitude towards work. It really is, because there are a number of conflicting attitudes that we have. Um, Some people hate their jobs and work only because they have to. Others are obsessed with their jobs and work to the exclusion of everything else. Family, friends, whatever, leisure time, everything's just about work. And that's kind of the two, two sides to it. And, it. and interestingly enough, there's people that fall into a, the second category that they're obsessed with their jobs. They also hate their jobs. They just have a hard time admitting it. Or at least at the very least, they don't get a lot of fulfillment out of it. But they're just obsessed with it. The fact is that you're going to spend probably about 150,000 hours of your life working. Can you imagine that? That amounts between 40 and 60% of your waking hours. You're going to be at work. Some statistics. In 1973, the average American spent 40 hours a week at work. In 1987, that amount increased to an average of 46 weeks or hours per week. Today, if you're a professional and you work an average of anywhere between 52 and 60-some hours a week, if you own your own business, you probably are up in 60 to 70 range hours per week. The fact is you're going to spend more time working, commuting to work, thinking about work, than anything else you do. 
That's just reality, right? You spend more time at work than you do with your family. You spend more time at work than you do with your friends or in leisure or in spiritual activities. And whether we like it or not, work really dominates our life. It's just part of life, right? Well, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about what God wants us to succeed in as far as work goes. It has a lot to say. It's very practical things. And I'm just going to kind of rattle some things off here uh, quickly, but uh, we're going to be kind of going through the outline there that you have in your, your bulletin. But it actually contains a promise concerning work. In Proverbs 16.3, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will what? Succeed. Your plans will succeed. Proverbs also contains many warnings about laziness. Lazy hands make a man poor. Says that in 10, 4, 11, 12, 11, it says, He who chases fantasies lacks judgment. In 18, 9, it says, One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Well, hopefully, the following thoughts will help us kind of put in perspective our job and where it should be as far as priority and our attitude about it. But for a lot of people, people have just kind of have a I don't care attitude toward their, their job. And as Christians, we should care very much about our job. We should care very much about our occupations or about our businesses we run or whatever. Um, but to be honest, relatively few Christians are genuinely happy with their own jobs. And unfortunately, and this is just, you know, this isn't trying to beat on anybody or anything, but unfortunately, Christians are not always known for doing quality work. It's just the way it is. So many times you go through the yellow pages, or well, they don't have yellow pages anymore, but you know, you, you see a little fish on a Christian symbol or whatever. I've actually talked to Christian business owners that say, you know, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't put the little fish. I don't do the Christian thing. I am a Christian, and I use it as a ministry or whatever my business, but I don't do all the, the Christianese because you know what? Sometimes that scares people away. They see that, and they're like, ah, oh, Christian, they're probably going to take advantage of you, or they're going to do lazy work, or whatever. And unfortunately, that's the way it's been in the world. That's how the world looks at it. But we should care very much about our jobs. And Christians aren't always known for doing what we call quality work. Do you know that in Genesis 2.15, if you turn all the way back to the book of Genesis, it says this, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. And why did he put him there? It says to cultivate it and keep it. Do you know the very first thing that God did with his first creation, man, was to employ him. He employed him. Apparently with a job that was an all-consuming responsibility. See, a lot of people in the church think, oh, curse is a result, or work is a result of the curse. That's why we have to work. Because it says, you know, by the sweat of your brow. Well, that's not true. That's not what the Bible says at all. God put Adam in the garden to cultivate it and to keep it to do work before the curse ever fell. The sweat upon the brow is the curse, not the work. It's very important to understand that. Work was begun in a context of innocence and was of such importance to God that it was the first assignment that he gave man. And much is made about work in the Bible. So we shouldn't make light of it. And we're going to see some very timely work-related counsel as we go through 
uh, several Proverbs here this morning. But the fact is, is that Proverbs basically lists six kinds of workmen. Six kinds of different workmen are identified in the book of Proverbs. Three are the wrong kind, or the bad kind, and three are the good kind, or the right kind. And we're going to give our attention to those six kinds of workers that we see in the book of Proverbs. So turn over to Proverbs 24, and just look with me. And we're going to be going through kind of a whole bunch of Proverbs, so you can, I think some of them are going to be up on the screen there, whatever you have the notes, so don't feel you have to try to keep up whatever if you can, that's great. Proverbs 24, verse 30 to 34. It talks about the first wrong kind of a worker, a sluggard. We've all heard that word, slug. You know, uh, sometimes we use it as in a joking. Hey, what are you doing, you slug? Get off the couch, you know, whatever. I mean, that's just, it's kind of a derogatory term. It's somebody who's lazy. Well, it says in Proverbs 24, verse 30, it says, I went by a field, so he's talking about a farming situation here, the field of a lazy man, and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding, and there it was, all overgrown with thorns, its surface was covered with needles, nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw it. I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. Here's what he says. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Don't you just want to just kind of, ah, that sounds good. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. See, this is the sluggard. This is, apparently, this guy was, a, by occupation, a farmer. And he passed by this farmer's field, who the farmer was a sluggard. Most farmers are not sluggards. They can't afford to be. I have a brother who's a farmer, my brother Tom. And, I mean, he's farmed for years. And, I mean, he's always had, held down two, three, four jobs. And, he, I mean, we're not talking, you know, little side jobs. I mean, we're talking, you know, he worked for the Ford Motor Company. He ran his farm, which was a, a, a cattle farm and then a hog farm at one point. And, you know, I mean, I, I went out there for a summer one time for, supposed to be for six weeks. I think I lasted two. I mean, talk about work. I mean, you're up, you know, the sun's not even up yet in the summer. And you're out there and you're, you're feeding the animals. And then you got to come back in, you eat breakfast. And you go back out in the hot sun and you do the hay and you do all that stuff. And, you know, and you think just about the time, okay, now can we rest a little bit? Well, no, now we got to go back and feed the animals again. And then we got to go back out and cut some trees down. And, and, I mean, it's usually, you know, sun up to sun down for a farmer who knows what he's doing. They're anything but a sluggard, but this guy was. And he says, they're a little sleep, a little slumber. Look at what happens. He says, your poverty will come as a robber. See, sluggers live by phrases like this. Gee, what time is it? You know, they punch the clock and then, hey, is it time for a break yet? That's the first thing they're thinking. When's lunch? They have this clock watcher mentality. And usually they do just enough to get by. Just get it done the easiest, quickest possible way. And see, within the book of Proverbs, we find at least six characteristics of this kind of a person, a sluggard. In chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, it says that he has trouble getting started. Proverbs 6, verses 9 and 10, it says this is a guy that just can't get it together in the morning when he's going to work. He just can't get going. Verses 9 and 10, it says, How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? Then it uses the same phrase, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so your poverty will come on like a prowler. See, if you have an issue with getting, getting started, that's a pretty important issue. He's also restless. 
It says that in Proverbs 13, 4 and over in 21. It lists different things. There's, these are people that are always, you know, they can't just sit down and focus and do the work that's before them. They're always running here and there and they're just restless. Restless people. Can't focus on a job to get it done. Thirdly, he is costly to the business. Look at what it says in 18.9. A sluggard is very costly to the business. 18.9 it says, He who is slothful in his work is a, a brother to him who is a great destroyer. They go hand in hand. Nobody wants somebody who is slothful or somebody who is lazy or someone who is a sluggard working for them. You want people with initiative. You want people that's ready to go. They're also defensive. They're always looking kind of to blame someone else. In 26, 16, Proverbs 26, 16, it says this, The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. They're always, they always think they got the answer. They always got everything going on. In twelve twenty seven Proverbs, it says that he's a quitter. He's a quitter. Doesn't finish the job. I remember when I was growing up that we used to have my brother-in-law, after I went to college, when, when I was growing up and in high school, I'd always help him around the house. We had pretty big property, and so there was always grass to be cut or leaves to be raked or whatever, painting to be done or stone walls to be fixed. Just, and he was kind of from the city, Dave, so he didn't know about all this stuff. So I went and lived with them for a while and helped them. But I remember when I went away to college, they, they said, we don't know what we're going to do because you're leaving. And you were taking care of all this stuff. And so they looked to one of my nephews and they ended up hiring one of my nephews for a while and he kind of moved away and then they hired another one and, and, and it was kind of, they tapped into that resource for a while and that was good because they were hard workers. They had a good work ethic and they were always, you know, um, working hard for him. But then it got to a point where he kind of ran out of family and he had to start hiring people outside the family. And I remember him telling me, he goes, it's just hard to get somebody to do what you ask them to do. And it's not fun work. I mean, you know, you're taking a weed whacker and you're going up on a side hill, you know, like an acre and you've got to cut it down. I mean, that's not fun work when it's, you know, 80% humidity out and it's 95 degrees, but it has to get done and they're paying you to do it. And inevitably, he'd, he'd, he'd tell me once in a while, you know, yeah, you know, well, we went through another one. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, we just found the weed whacker up there on the side hill and it was just left there and he just ran home, you know, he couldn't handle it. And it's not like they're slave drivers or anything, but nobody likes a quitter. Nobody likes somebody who starts something and then just doesn't complete it. And then also, the last thing there, he lives under self-delusional excuses. Self-delusional excuses. They're always making up excuses. In 24, it says, The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. In other words, even though it's not winter when they're plowing, he's just saying, well, the winter's coming. They're always making up some kind of excuse not to do work. That's the sluggard. Trouble getting started, they're restless, they're costly to the business, they're often defensive, they're a quitter, and they have these self-delusional excuses that just kind of come out of nowhere. Well, Proverbs also doesn't only talk about the sluggard, but it also talks about the deceiver. Look at over at Proverbs 11.18. Proverbs 11.18. Remember, these are the wrong kind of workers. If you're going through resume to hire somebody, you don't want these people working for you. Uh, Proverbs 11:18 says this. The wicked man does what? Deceptive work. But he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. 
The wicked man is deceptive in his work. What does that mean? What that means is when the boss is out of the room, or the boss is off campus, or the boss is gone to lunch, well, all the work stops. I'm sure that we've all been in situations where that happens, you know? And it, when, you're, when, you're, when you're a person who's not given to that, you just kind of want to get the work done, and you're working with somebody like that, it's very irritating, isn't it? It's like, what are you just standing there for? You know, get something done. I remember when I was working in the picture framing business, you know, sometimes we'd have these huge orders for MC Hammer Studio or some other people's studio or whatever, or big house or whatever. We'd have to get all this stuff done in a very short amount of time, but we still had to work our regular hours during the day because we had customers coming in and we just couldn't get these, these uh, frames done in time. And so the business owner asked me, would you be willing to work overtime like at night or whatever? And I remember sometimes, you know, we'd go in there at... 12 o'clock at night or 1 o'clock in the morning, and we work right to, to 5 or whatever. And the one guy that this one guy was working with me, man, he just, it was hard for him to work when the boss wasn't there. And I found myself constantly saying, okay, look, you need to do this. You need constantly being on him. You know, he's over there, he's doing stuff, or he's kind of making up excuses while he's going to the bathroom, or I got to get something to eat or whatever. And I mean, if he worked 15 minutes out of an hour, I'd be surprised. But I remember just being so irritated at this guy. And finally, I just told the owner, I said, you know, just don't even have him work there anymore at night because he, he doesn't do any good. It's just more of a distraction for me. But I remember just working and just getting the stuff done even though nobody was there. And see, uh, somebody who is deceptive in their work practices doesn't mean that they're, you know, um, it's kind of a, a, an outgrowth of their laziness. They earn deceptive wages. And that, that term there, wicked, is not the common Hebrew term, meaning evil or sinful. That's not what it means. Instead, it means criminal. It means criminal. The deceiver is one who earns his wages by criminal means, by deceptive means. It's the guy that, you know, punches in the, the clock even though they know they're not going to work for another hour or whatever and deceptively puts time down. The deceiver is the one who earns his wage by deceptive means. He uses phrases like this. Well, you know, come on, no one will ever know. Or you know what, this company's so rich, they're not going to miss it. Or, you know what, as long as I've been here, as hard as I've worked, you know what, they owe it to me. See, and what he overlooks is the reality mentioned in Proverbs 10.2. It says, ill-gotten gain does not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. And the three characteristics of a deceiver named in this book, first of all, he appears to have a life of ease, but really, it's an empty life without any kind of purpose. You can see that in the verses mentioned there. He appears to have a life of ease. Secondly, he may have initial pleasure, but the end is bitter and hard to bear. In other words, sooner or later, these deceptive practices are going to catch up with him. Or he lacks a sense of loyalty. We see that in uh, Proverbs 25, verse 19. It says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth <laughs> and a foot out of joint. I don't know if you've ever had a bad tooth or a foot out of joint, but I imagine it's not very pleasant. Well, that's what the deceptive person is, is, is like. It's just, it's just not, a, not a, a good person to be around. And then thirdly, we see here the greedy in Proverbs 28, 22. And we've all dealt with people like this. Proverbs 28, 22 says this. 
A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. See, where the sluggard is slothful and the deceitful person is dishonest, the greedy man is this kind of get-rich-quick guy. Everything focuses around that. Everything focuses toward his retirement. All I want to do is retire. He's got to get to retirement. His lines are this. When I make my first million, then I'll back off. Or money is everything. Or work is my God. I've actually heard people say that. Proverbs says this. A man with an evil eye hastens after wealth and does not know that want will come upon him. The picture here is not simply a man on the run to accumulate wealth. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. There's nothing wrong with working hard and being wealthy. That's not what he's saying. But the one who is disquieted, disturbed, and worried about all this, here are the characteristics. He tries to find his security in money. Proverbs 11.28. I mean, this is very practical today. We, we, we can't find our security in money. He who trusts in his riches will fall but the righteousness will flourish like foliage, especially today. I mean, with this, the, the economy the way it is, and I mean, the people that have taken hits on their IRAs and their retirements and all this stuff, I mean, people have lost millions and millions and millions of dollars. Can you imagine if your trust was in that? If that's all you live for? I mean, I know even retired police officers that, you know, are saying, yeah, I lost another... 20 grand in my retirement fund. I mean, it's just kind of shrinking quickly. And they're at a point where they're supposed to be enjoying life. <laughs> so he sees his security in money, but he, he does not slow down once riches come to him. I mean, we live in a capitalistic nation. At least it still is, hopefully. Things may be changing, we don't know, but <laughs> hopefully not. You know, and if you can earn a lot of money, that's great. That's, that's God's blessing upon you. He gave the ability for you to do that. But there comes a point in time where you have to look at that and say, okay, put this in perspective. In Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5, it says, Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. 650-366-9923, or visit our website, gracefultruth.org. And now, to close out our time together with a look at our fall schedule, once again, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Thanks, Andy. I want to share some exciting information with our listening audience concerning our fall schedule here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. First up, we'll be having our fall Israel and Bible Prophecy Conference featuring Bible teacher Dr. David Hawking on November 18th, 19th, and 20th. It will all kick off on Friday, November 18th at 7 p.m. with concert pianist David Talbot leading us in some wonderful hymns here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. The conference is free, so we hope to see you here the weekend right before Thanksgiving. Second on our fall schedule will be a real blessing to our ladies here in the Bay Area. Ladies, we have a real Christmas treat for you coming up on Saturday, December 3rd. 
here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. We will be hosting a woman's Christmas tea with speaker and author Elise Fitzpatrick. Elise will be teaching from her book, Because He Loves Me, How Christ Transforms Our Daily Life. The tea will be held on Saturday, December 3rd, with seating for the tea beginning at 11 a.m. Our program will begin promptly at 11.30 and will conclude at 2.30 p.m. here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. Cost of registration will be $20 and registration will be required in advance. Ladies, you know firsthand how hectic your world can become just prior to the Christmas season. We want to give you the opportunity to break away from your daily routine for just one Saturday afternoon and come together for some great fellowship, worship, and teaching that's based on God's Word. Why not plan on being here Saturday, December 3rd from 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. for a wonderful time of fellowship, worship, and teaching from Elise Fitzpatrick. I'm sure you'll enjoy the time together and walk away with a renewed sense of purpose and commitment to Christ. All the registration information can be found on our church website at gracebibleonline.org. Once again, that's gracebibleonline.org. There will be a registration form available online. You simply download it, fill it out, mail it in with your registration to the address given, or you can simply call us here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, 650-366-9923. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening to Graceful Truth each weekend, and it'd be a wonderful encouragement to us to hear from you about how this program has been a blessing to your hearts. Thank you, Steve. And again, friend, we'd love to hear from you. So call us today, 650-366-9923, or write to us, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, 94061 is our zip code. Until next time, God bless. 